0: From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked on Chiefs podcast. Welcome back to Locked on Chiefs. This is going to be a fun one as we hit the middle of the week as the Chiefs prepare for their last session of OTAs before they get to mandatory minicamp. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and your host at RGR Football as well. We're going to talk with Matt Derrick today. And here on the Locked on Podcast Network, we like to get outside sources. Matt's a beat writer over at Chief's Digest as well as KC Sports Network. He's going to join me. We're going to go through what is the second year class got to look for uh, as they start their third season. Get that progression. Who's got to be someone that stands out, and where is the big battle? Those things are going to be paramount. But first, we're going to get into a couple of topics about what's going on during this time out there on the field and what we can expect. We are brought to you today by Stat Hero, the first ever fantasy sports book that gives the player the advantage. Go to stathero.com slash locked on for 300% on your first play. This is going to be a fun one. Welcome to Locked On Chiefs.
1: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked on Chiefs podcast. I hope you guys are ready for this. The team certainly is, and they're getting ready for the last stretch here before they get to mandatory minicamp where they hope to get a few players back. Um, Like I said in the beginning, we're going to get to where the position battles are. One in particular for a guy that I'm kind of pulling for when we get on with Matt Derrick here coming up in a little bit. But in general, what is this to be getting done? At this point, no OTAs? It really is, for all intents and purposes, really working on the passing game. There's no physicality up front with any of the lines or anything like that. You're not working stunt packages. This is pretty vanilla stuff in terms of what the skill position players are trying to do against the defenders. And it's a good time for experimentation. It's a good time for rotation and trying to get as many reps in for every level of your roster, and the rosters are big right now. But what that means is by the tail end of this week, you have to be starting to get secured for what you want to accomplish during mandatory minicamp when you should have the very bulk of your roster. Now, there are certain situations around the NFL, like the Packers, et etc., where you won't get that, and that's perfectly fine. That's, that's their deal. The Chiefs should have most of their players back, including Frank Clark, who hasn't been there yet, um, hopefully LDT makes it back for that. Uh, as you guys have heard us talk about, there's a little bit of back and forth about what the the rules are, being that he's a Canadian resident back and forth over the, the border and the quarantine rules currently in Canada. So that might be an asterisk that keeps him out of, of min, mandatory minicamp. We'll find out. But this week has to be about sharpening those skills that so that when you get to mandatory minicamp, you can run through a little bit more progression. It's still not going to be a, a hitting camp or anything like that. But it needs to accomplish more in terms of install, of maybe running with some tempo, like to see more red zone and more three, four minute drill uh, type offense. And I think that that's what Andy wants to do. Will we see Clyde Edwards-Alaire? That's going to be coming up as well. And if not, who's standing out out there? I I have my ideas and uh, I think running back is a solid position for this team. And I think they have depth options. They probably aren't going to make the roster because of the situation with the offensive line and needing that many slots. But they should be able to get at least two to three guys at the running back position onto the practice squad. That's when where I think there's going to be some back and forth. Um, who's jostling for that number four spot to make push to be on the roster? And who's going to be the first guy that they call up? Because we understand that the rules have have been carried over, or they will be, in order to make those elevations like we saw last year during COVID so that you could take a practice squad player, pop them up onto the active roster for a game, and see what happens. I think that's going to be an important role, especially at the running back spot. But there's two other spots, and a number of guys that have two years under their belt that are going into their third season that I want to ask Matt Derrick about because he's been out at practice and seen things that we haven't been able to actually cover. 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose. The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of lineups, not to mention the experts that have more time and more tools than you do. It's tough to win in DFS today. Introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in the head to head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. I haven't been out in the DFS game in a long time, but Stat Hero is bringing me back. You are in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it's meant to be, one on one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to StatHero.com slash LockedOn, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to StatHero.com slash LockedOn. That's StatHero.com slash LockedOn. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market, for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. And we recognize it's been hard to keep up with the brackets and all the new flavors. But let's remember, when it all comes said and done, there are a couple things that really stand out, like cookies and cream with 17 grams of protein at 130 calories, or almond coconut, which is one of my favorites still. And you can get a serious discount over at BuiltBar.com by using the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 50% off your next order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. I'm really glad that you guys are so excited about what's going on in OTAs. And it seems like every year this gets more and more intense, uh, more fan eyes. There's less media this year, and that's why we have to get with Matt, because Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest and KC Sports Network knows what's going on better than I do and honestly better than
1: Mo. So how are you, Matt? I'm I'm doing okay. I don't know how much more because... that box is really far away that they've got us in <laughs> <laughs> but you can see it from here just barely right we can yes so yeah we get a, glimpse, get a little glimpse get a little glimpses of some action here and there well besides what you're able to actually
0: see we get a little bit of media here once a week at this point but so until we know more i want to take a look at a couple of things and get your get your opinion on where we should be what should we be seeing and i'd like to start specifically with not the rookie class. There's a couple of guys in particular that I am hopeful for, and I'm really interested to see how this season, um, now that they're back in some activities that they didn't have last year, how that helps them along. And top off my list is Juan Thornhill. We know that he wasn't practicing when OTAs first began, but I think we both felt like he was, he was starting to improve towards the end of last season. If everything's going correctly, where should Juan Thornhill be right about now?
1: Yeah, if if everything's going well, one Thornhill should be in a position right now to take a leap. I mean, normally, you know, we always talk about players conventionally taking that, that jump from year one to year two. Mm-hmm. And in one Thornhill's case, you know, he had the injury on top of that. It's not uncommon for players to make their biggest jump from year two to year three. And, you know, and, and, and Tyron Matthews even talked about, you know, hey, receiver and, and defensive back can be one of those positions that just takes you a little bit more time. And, and I fully expected that with, you know, another year under his belt, a year away from that injury that, that Juan Thornhill should be positioned to take the next step. I mean, if he is going to be a, what I think you'd have to say at least this point, the ceiling would be a really solid number two safety. I mean, someone that you could pair with someone and have a really good tandem um, that should be the year that he steps up and does that um, not being out there and, and not exactly knowing what the situation is. I'm hoping that maybe we can get some clarity from Andy Reid this week. He has not been in the inclination to want to talk about injuries. Um, you know, he's told us, hey, there are no injuries, but yet there's guys who aren't practicing. So, you know, we need to find out why. And he's just hasn't been at this point forthcoming with what that is. So hopefully we'll get it here pretty soon. Um, but that's curious as to why we're not seeing him on the field. And, and if he's not practicing and there has been a complication or a, a secondary injury, that could really complicate, you know, what the expectations and what the hopes are for him this year.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And it, then that takes you to the depth chart, right? Clearly, um, they're going to give Dan Sorensen every chance they can to maintain his, his volume of reps. I think that that's probably expected. And if Juan's there, top three, easy. But the question mark becomes if Juan's unable to go, where do you go from there? And I see it as a pretty good battle at this point. Um Hearing that Will Parks is, is repping pretty well. Armani Watts is there. They have some younger guys. Right now at this point, given the advantage that a vet has maybe over Armani who hasn't had an, enough snaps really to progress, in my opinion, do you have the expectation that that is a, a battle that we're going to see through camp?
1: It could very well be. And... <laughs> You know, and I, I think we're just trying to read the tea leaves here a little bit. The addition of Will Parks gets more and more curious, you know, as as we kind of go, and especially when you do see him going out there and making some plays and getting some attention during OTAs. Uh, you know, this is a veteran guy. He could be in a lot of different spots. So, you know, if he was coming into Kansas City as a free agent, expecting to be the number four safety behind Matthew, behind Sorensen, behind Thornhill, would that be the ideal say position for a guy like that? You know, who's got five years in the league and has had some success, and and probably to a certain degree, could have, if if he had wanted to wait for a perfect situation, might have been out there. Maybe a little bit less money, wait a little bit longer. You never know. Mm-hmm. But it 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 just raises more and more questions. And the fact that somebody like him was coming in late to the team, and then coupling that with with Thornhill. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Sorensen is going to be one of the top three safeties in this team. He is every single year. And yeah, would the Chiefs love somebody to be able to push him to be the number three guy? Yeah, I think they would because that would tell them that they've got a really, really good trio of safeties at the top of the roster there. You know, with Watts, you know, he to me, he is what he is, which is a really good special teams player that gives you some depth. And there's nothing wrong with a guy like that. You have to have guys like that. So that's no knock against Armani Watts because he's really good at what he does. But to me, you know, expecting anything more than that, I think it's a bit of a leap of faith. But at the same time, you know, Parks gives them some depth there and they've got some other young guys maybe who could turn into something. You know, maybe they might be able to produce something for you. But a lot of that, a lot of this depth and how deep that this position can go to me hinges on Thornhill and just how healthy he can be and what kind of jump that he can take this year.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's what it comes down to, too. I have high expectations for him despite the injury. Um, if he hadn't gotten momentum back towards the end of last season, I, I would be a little bit more skeptical. But now I just want to know what's going on with him, and, and that will help me gauge whether he can actually continue to progress or not if he can't. Um, that certainly becomes a hiccup, and maybe that's where, where Parks slides in there. I do like the fact that Parks can come down and play a little bit on, of nickel if he needs to as well. We've seen him do that in Denver. And, I wouldn't. That wouldn't be my preference. But you know, I think one thing that goes for Spags in the secondary is how adaptable you are. We heard Tyron last week, uh, or two, was it two weeks ago, talking about uh, Bashad Breland hoping to get him back. That didn't happen now, and so with the news of Julio joining the AFC uh, and Julio Jones in Tennessee is going to be interesting. The Chiefs will face them at least during the regular season, and most likely in the post as well. Without a corner like Breland, what does that do for your secondary to be able to combat somebody that has two very big, strong receivers that you have to be able to go toe-to-toe with?
1: Yeah, to me, it it raises some really potential questions about, you know, how much faith that the Chiefs do have in this young corner group. Um, You know, remembering, uh, once again, at OTA, is a complication of this is that, you know, Traverse Ward hasn't signed his tender agreement, tender contract yet. So he's not there. Um, that's not a concern. I mean, he's gonna show up, but it's not uncommon for a fourth year guy with a tender in a situation like he is, who would be on the cusp of a, you know, a, a long-term extension or free agency next year. Not uncommon for a guy like that not to be there right now. But what that means is that, you know, by and large, you know, you're seeing a defense that's running with Rashad Fenton and Legerious Sneed as your top two corners, and Bopete Key's getting a lot of look at the number three spot. And that could actually be good for this team, because if that means that a guy like Pete, Bo Pete is getting some work right now, this time of year, that's going to help in his development. That's not a problem. I mean, especially if he does end up being like a number four guy for you, then you've gotten him some looks and some reps at a good time of the year. Um, Question, you know, is that there's going to be a lot of pressure on Legere Sneed because I don't know that he's exactly what, you know, Spagnolo would do yet with a travel guy making him that who's always going to be on the top receiver of the other side. But all indications are right now that Snead's going to be on the field every single snap, and it's going to be inside and out. I mean, he will be obviously the the, number one corner in base, Um, but then when they're going to sub packages, he's going to go into the slot. I mean, he will go inside. So he's going to have a lot of responsibilities, and that's a big ask again for a second-year player. So I I think there's a lot of finger-crossing right now, on that that secondary group, I, I think the Chiefs feel like they they have reasons to be optimistic. But yeah, I mean, you start looking at the just the big picture, look at that second, that, that's that cornerback group. And yeah, I think depth questions come into consideration, injuries, where guys are going to be. Yeah, I mean, because Legereus Snead, I think, is the only player at this point that you can make an arguable case as being a type of shut down guy, someone who could go up against the Julio Joneses of the world. But even that he hasn't done it yet, he, had, he hasn't proven that yet. So you can't just mark it down in pen and think it's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's, it's still going to happen on the field. So, I mean, it, the Chiefs are going to have to do exactly what they've done the last couple of years, which is scheme around the fact that they've got a, a young secondary that that lacks that big guy at the corner that you can just rely on putting on an island out there and just know that week in and week out, you're going to have to scheme around that. And that's what Steve Spagnuolo does. So at least he's got a team that fits what he wants to do, but right. we could expect that, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's probably should, I'm, and I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there who do have concerns about the cornerback group. Maybe that's an area that people should be more concerned about, but at the same time, you know what the chiefs were telling us all off off season with the actions with Bashad Breeland is that. he didn't feel like the shot was going to make a difference. And, you know what? I mean, you look at, you know, they basically, to a degree, swapped out Bashad Breland for Mike Hughes. And yeah. is that going to be the good move? I mean, only time will tell. Yeah, we're going to
0: have to see that. I like the way that you put it, too, because uh, traveling is one of the criteria for me to be a true CB1. The problem is the CB is the most volatile year-to-year performance position on this roster. And so it's going to be challenging, and injury plays into that. When we get back, I want to talk about another guy that's coming off of an injury and what it means for his position group. We'll get to that coming up next. The chainsaws stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics versus us do-it-yourselfers, but RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing their prices based on whims like the airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or an account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose brand specifications at prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. I spent twice the money for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. So we started this with Juan Thornhill, another guy in his draft class and Colin Saunders is in a fight for the roster spot depending on how often would they really plan to use Chris Jones outside. But I think what was a thin defensive tackle group a couple of years ago, as Chris was just getting into the league and really becoming the player that he is now. Now this looks like a position of strength. Uh, it, for me, it comes down to obviously with Jaron Reed, we talked about him last week. His addition is, is very straightforward, but it, for me, it puts the battle here back at, at Tershawn Morton and Colin Saunders. And my question to you first is, do you think that that's something that Colin Saunders is capable of coming back from the injury on the elbow last year and the, and uh, there was, you know, some question as to why he was inactive after that. Um, I, mean, I have a good idea what I feel about it, but do you see that being the battle that we should watch at that position group?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's curious about yeah where you kind of position Colin Saunders in that battle because I think if you look at it on paper right now, I mean, I think there's a gap there. You know, obviously, if Chris Jones is playing in tackle, I mean, he's one of the he's the, one of the best in the league. So if he's actually playing there which I think you're still going to see Chris Jones at, at tackle plenty, just maybe not as much as in the past. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a gap there between then Jerron Reed, Derek Naughty, Tershawn Wharton. I mean, those are three guys that are in that next group. And frankly, I mean, that gives you a pretty good top three, top four that you depend on. Then if you're starting to get in the competition, I mean, yes, yeah, Sanders is is going to be one of those guys competing for a spot, but you know, with what happened last year and, and I think where he's positioned himself now as a player. Yeah. You know what? I don't know that the Colin Saunders we're going to see this season is is the same type of Colin Saunders that you saw as a rookie in 19. Um, he's bigger and, mm-hmm. and he's hoping that he's healthier because, you know, we haven't got to hear from him, but you certainly have seen him on social media. He's talked about the fact, yeah, that that. Elbow. He's back from it, and and felt like that elbow even held him back a little bit once he did come back from the injury last season, and and just never looked quite the same after that. So if the elbow was healthy, but you know he came to Kansas City with you know the idea of being a maybe an, an athletic type of D tackle who could move around a little bit. You certainly saw that on the film, but you know now he's really kind of become looking more like a run stuffer. I mean, he, he's looking like the kind of guy that you're putting out there to eat up blocks. You know, he's the kind of player at this point that if you're going to pair him with a Chris Jones, it's with the idea that, you know, hey, this is a big guy that you're going to have to move out of the way in order to run the football. Or if you want to be able to open some things up, you're going to do that. But that he's also a guy who could eat up space for for guys like Jones and and guys like Wharton and, and Reed to operate. So I think you're going to see a different Colin Saunders. The question is going to be, is it a Colin Saunders that's good enough? To crack that rotation, because I, I think that, that that top four, I think, looks really set. How far they are able to go beyond that. I mean, I think that, I think if there's a position group fight, honestly, it's probably for whether they're going to keep five tackles. And Saunders is, is one of those guys. And that, once again, that brings into the question, I mean, are you going to be counting Chris Jones as a tackle or not? If, if you are right, then it makes it a little bit, you know, that's where the line moves. If he's not and you're just considering Chris Jones as an edge. Then, yeah, the Chiefs are, I think, are suddenly feeling pretty good about their top three. But Saunders is that one that's finding himself in that fight for them, maybe those last one or two spots.
0: And, and that's a good way that you put it. If you do still live, Chris, as a tackle and you look at what they have to do on the offensive line, a lot of times, and the nice thing about being a back to back Super Bowl participant is that it's tough to see new cracks on this roster. Like you have to project based on who's been there, right? So, Given what they have to do, do you think that
1: they can't afford to keep five D tackles on the fifty-three when they initially go for Week One? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it, that would be tight, Um, especially you know you you know you're going to be keeping a guy like Kendo on the, the defensive edge, and I think I'm sure a guy like Mike Dana you're going to be keeping Taco Charles and Frank Clark, Chris Jones. All of a sudden, you know, you can probably get up to five defensive ends that you feel like you're going to keep. And now you haven't even gotten into some some guys that are developmental players still who are fighting for spots like Tim Ward and Damone Harris and this kind of thing. So Chiefs are definitely much more deeper. If they were going to keep 10 defensive linemen, it would be much more likely they would keep maybe five defensive ends, four defensive tackles, and Chris Jones. But even then, I mean, if you start lopping one off, you know, defensive tackle might be the one you lop off there. Yeah. Um, and especially, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's going to be tighter because – I fully expect that if everybody comes through this healthy, Chiefs are going to keep keeping at least nine offensive linemen and maybe a 10th offensive lineman. And if that's the case, there's uh, yeah, keeping, keeping an extra defensive lineman becomes almost impossible when you get down to numbers crunch.
0: I I find it very interesting to see how that's all going to work out. It's going to be, I think an argument between the coaching staff and the front office and like, how they're going to get down to that number. Let's hope that they get an extra roster spot and we'll see how that works out. But Demone Harris is interesting because he looks bigger to me. He's listed bigger. Is that specifically um, in your mind, an adaptation to try to fit more of the Spags prototype to make this roster?
1: Yeah, I think it might be. I think it's also, you know, he's, he's had a couple of years in this system now and you know, I'm trying to remember, I know when he first came in the league, he was with Baltimore and, you know, and they were truly trying to, you know, make him more of a three, four type of edge rusher, which is a little bit different. So when he got the KC, you know, they had to kind of change his game a little bit. And he's a smaller school guy from Buffalo. So I think it maybe it's just a combination of a lot of different factors that, you know, that Harris has been kind of one of those guys who's been transitioning from one type of player to another over the first couple of years of his career. But, you're right. I mean, you, you look at him right now and you are looking at a player who I think looks a little bit stronger out there on the field. Certainly I think looks more comfortable. I mean, you know, just even from from my far distance on the sidelines <laughs> <laughs> through the <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you're seeing a guy that that does stand out a little bit more. And and Tim Ward's always been the kind of guy that has the size to stand out. It's just, you know, development. So, you know, they've got a couple of guys there that I think could be really interesting. And I mean, and I think and I think that's Honestly, that's probably going to be a more high-quality competition, frankly, for those last spots on the defensive end um, than probably it is a tackle. I'm I'm really
0: interested to see that it works out, and we'll keep an eye on it. We'll have more for you later in the week, folks, when we do get to see them, and, and Matt gets eyes on. So thanks for taking the time to preview it for us, Matt. As always, Ryan, thank you very much. Folks, KC Sports Network, as well as Chiefs Digest. You can find stuff on there, maybe even a few sentences written by yours truly. Uh, Thanks for hanging out, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com, where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts, and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.